Welcome to Always Authors, the literary podcast that features two authors in candid conversation. On this episode, we're excited to bring you Kia Brown, journalist, screenwriter, and author who is the creator of Hashtag Disabled and Cute, and whose writing has appeared in Teen Vogue, Elle, and The New York Times, among other publications. Her debut essay collection, The Pretty One, is out now, and her debut picture book, Sam's Super Seats, will be out in the fall of 2022. Kia is joined by Ryan O'Connell, actor, director, and writer, whose work has appeared in Vice, BuzzFeed, and other publications, including The New York Times. He is the author of the memoir, I'm Special, and Other Lies We Tell Ourselves, which he adapted into the Emmy-nominated TV series, Special, on Netflix. He currently plays Julian on Queer as Folk, which debuts June 9th on Peacock. In their first ever conversation with each other, these multi-hyphenate authors get real about the benefits of their Virgo-driven ambition, the constant struggle to push back against the limitations placed on them as disabled artists, and the importance of savouring their success. Inspiration starts now. Well, hello, Kia Brown, author of The Pretty One and the upcoming Sam Super Seats. Hello, Ryan O'Connor, author of Just By Looking At Him. Wow. I can't believe we haven't met. It feels illegal. It does. Honestly, I feel like it is. I feel like I've convinced myself that we've hung out so many times, gone to so many lunches. (laughs) Had so many chopped salads. So many salads. The most salads. Wait, do you come to Los Angeles ever? Not as often as I'd like to. I'll I'll be in Los Angeles in August. For like a week. Okay, we'll hit a bitch up. I will. I'll have to now. We gotta we gotta have the salad. I know, we gotta have a summit. We gotta have a disabled rider summit. We gotta we gotta <laughs> listen. It's me and you. I love it. Against the world. <laughs> I, I feel like what I have observed from you from social media, which everyone knows is a complete multifaceted <laughs> uh, dissection of a human being, um, mm-hmm. is that you are very, very ambitious in a way. That, are you a Virgo? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You're a Virgo like me. Okay. So I feel like the combination of being disabled and a Virgo is like lethal. Oh, yeah. And truly, God help anyone who gets in our way. Truly. You know what I mean? Yep. And I just love that you are so open about the things that you want and you don't apologize for it. I feel like I'm in, a, I'm in this, I'm kind of similar, but I feel like it's taken me a while to be that way and, or it take mm-hmm. or I go bit by bit about it, but you just kind of are like, yeah, I want to fucking act. I want to do this. I want to do that. And I just think that's pretty remarkable. Have you always been that way? Is that like a real Virgo vibe or has it been cumulative? I mean, I think, I think it's a bit of both. Like, I think the thing about me and the internet particularly is that I feel like In order to make something happen, I have to say what it is that I need to make happen. Because otherwise, it's like, nobody else is going to do it for me. They're not going to be like, hey, Kia, you know, do you want to do this thing with me? Like, it's very rare that I come across someone or like a situation where they're like, this is a thing that you never thought of and you never put out in the universe. I just feel like for me, it's like, because... I live in the world as a black disabled queer woman. I have to ask or demand what I want really because nobody's going to be like, here's this door that I'm already opened for you and like just step on through. I think that I've, I've built a sort of career and, and life off of just being like, let me be as open and honest as possible about the things that matter to me because a closed mouth won't get fed. So it's kind of always been that way for me, where it's like, we have to hustle and be like three and four times as good just to get half as much. I completely agree. And I feel like what bums me out is I feel like, you know, especially after special came out, I thought, well, surely I'm going to have some incoming calls. Like people, you know, like, you know, if you create a TV show that's well received, there's a certain kind of... And not to say that, like, anything is ever easy, but, like, there is a certain level of ease and, like, people will bring you things to adapt or this or that or whatever. And um, that doesn't really happen. And it really, I don't know why I'm surprised, but there is a certain level of disappointment that I feel where it's like, 
oh, I'm going to have to be hustling pretty much like forever. Like this is not going to end and it doesn't matter like what level of success I achieve. Like I still live in a world that lacks a profound sense of imagination, especially regarding disabled people. Mm -hmm. And that's a little like depressing because I feel like you're like me where I'm sure you're like a workaholic. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, we have to be. I know, but babe, I kind of want to take a break. I want to be be a lady of leisure. Exactly. I want to be on a beach somewhere, you know? Like, I don't want to answer emails at all hours and, like, plan out the next five or six things I want to do. Like, we deserve deserve so much the chance to just coast in a way that a lot of non-disabled people get to do. Where it's, like you said, they'll green light one project, it'll go well, then they're getting all these other options. And I think the thing that is so interesting to me is that the second season of special is chef's kiss. Like when I tell you that you put both feet in the second season of special. So it's wild to me that they're not like knocking down your door and being like, Hey, come do this thing. Come create this thing. Here's some money to do this. Because I think had it been a story that had nothing to do with disability, you'd have more of those opportunities. I really genuinely do. Thank you. I really appreciate that because, you know, season one of special got a lot of attention and I, and I, and I love that and I appreciate that, but, but special was made with no money and it was made in 15 episodes. So I feel like we did the best we could given the resources we were given, but season two, I was finally given the proper resources to make a TV show and given the proper time Mm -hmm. to make a full season of TV. And I'm so, so proud of it. And yet it didn't get nearly as much attention. And part of me, and this is dark, but maybe you can relate. I felt like season one, I was like a new hot marginalized person. (laughs) They were like, gay, disabled, we love. And then like, there was like, it wasn't even about the quality. Because even with season one, there were moments of it that I really love and I'm really proud of. But as a whole, it's just not the purest expression of whatever. Like season two just feels so much more me and I'm so much prouder of it and then with season two I'm like well if you love season one you're gonna love season two and the people that watched it loved it but there wasn't nearly as much attention I mean truly and I felt like I felt a little I couldn't help but feel a little like used or something or that or that I was sort of like kind of the the disenfranchised flavor of the week and like they kind of moved on a little bit I don't know if you ever kind of feel that way oh absolutely I feel like I live in a constant state of like okay, this could all go away. You know, something could all shift and they're deciding like, oh no, we like this disabled person this week or that black person this week or what have you. And I just feel like, to me, my hope is that we can at some point get beyond the idea of there just being one of us. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the thing that frustrates me most is like, no matter in, in any way that you tell stories, whether it's books, TV shows, movies, etc., I find that as marginalized people, we're often asked to mine our trauma oh. so that they can get a good story. And then they're like, okay, if it's not depressing or you're not like practically dead, then we don't really want to see where that goes. I think to me, it's like whenever I create anything now, joy is at the center of it. Like, if you can't let me be happy, you know, if I can't survive to the end of this, then I don't want to be a part of it. And I think probably, I mean, I can't speak for sure because I'm just trying to break in and you're already established. But I think the thing with special season one to me was like, a lot of people were like, oh my God, this disabled guy is on TV, like, living his life, and he doesn't, you know, hate himself or think about dying every five seconds. Mm -hmm. What a marvel. And then when you really stepped into what you wanted the show to be in season two, they were like, oh, well, why is he not sad and depressed? And why is he not, like, hating everything about his life and and dreading that he's disabled? Yeah, that's that's so interesting. I mean, I think, you know... Season two, a lot of the responses I saw were that my was that my character was really selfish and deeply unlikable. And I thought that was so interesting because, first of all, I feel like there's this urge to really look at people in very binary ways, especially while watching television. It's like you need a hero or you need a villain. Like people don't know what to do with like multifaceted individuals. It's like it's like we forget all the lessons we learned from being a person. And like when we want to te- we want a TV show, we want it very, very flattened. And I felt like 
yes, my character makes choices that are not so chic and he kind of like whatever, whatever. But it's like, I felt like I wasn't given permission to be a brat and Mm -hmm. to like, to not always behave perfectly. I feel like it's like, we're given these very narrow slots to exist and we're taught to be grateful for that narrow slot. But like, like the whole arc of season two is that Ryan becomes radicalized in his disability and kind of realizes how much um, of his life is meant to placating others and making other people feel comfortable with himself. And so he sort of blows up at his well-intentioned boyfriend for these series of microaggressions. And a lot of the feedback was like, his boyfriend was just trying to be a good person. Like, what are you talking? Like he should, and like the undercurrent was like, he should be so lucky to be with this character and he's being a little bit of a bitch. And he like, he doesn't, he doesn't have the room to do that. He should be really grateful that he got someone at all. That was the sort of undercurrent of the feeling. And I thought, how interesting that the very people that seem that claim to celebrate us and lift us up also can get really prickly when we behave in ways that are not chic, according to them. Right. So was that feedback coming from a lot of like non-disabled people? Because every disabled yeah, person... Yeah, of course. Of, of course. course oh, right? Yes. <laughs> so it's like yeah. every disabled person yeah. that I talked to about season two was like, oh my God, yes. Specifically, there is a part in the special season two where like Ryan was getting ready to hook up with this guy. He was like older or whatever, like soap star or something. And yeah. he literally was fetishizing Ryan and being like, I'm going to save mm-hmm. you. This is going to be great. And I'm like, this happens so often to people and um and i think that it's so funny because i did see that discourse that you're talking about where it's like oh my god he should be grateful he's being mean to people oh he's not like just excited to be there i'm like okay but why is it that we ask marginalized people in particular to always be perfect always fit this weird i'm just happy to be here script you know like i think and i find that the most interesting characters are always often the messiest you know you have to let people be who they are fully like I don't want to be like oh yeah let me create a character that's a model you know minority who just is happy all the time and her life's perfect and she has nothing to complain about like that's just not the way that we live in the world I like messy characters and so I honestly appreciated Ryan coming into his own and being like you know what I am disabled and it's not this thing that I have to like stress out about and I'm not going to apologize for the space that I take up yeah. like that's what I took from season two was just like I'm a fully realized human being and like there are things about me that you may not like or understand but I'm not going to apologize for being who I am and I think it's so interesting that <laughs> it was non-disabled people that were like hey no make sure that you do all these things I need you to do so that you can feel more palatable to me and if you don't do them, then I'm not comfortable. Absolutely. It was it was really disappointing. And like, you know, the microaggressions that his partner Tanner did, like, like he was like, oh, you're in a wheelchair. Like, I know so, like someone at my thing is a wheelchair. Like, you, you guys should know each other. People were like, what? Like, that's, he's just being nice. And it's like, if you swap out that with like race or like sexuality, yep. like people would be like, what the fuck? And they'd be like, <laughs> they would be so outraged. They'd be like, that is so not okay. But because it's disability, it's, like, not seen as that big of a deal. And I think it just speaks to this also right. larger frustration I have that, like, the disabled population has a not nearly enough attention. Um, and it's been really – it's been – I know it's – I don't – I'm not trying to compare and despair here. And I'm not trying to play oppression Olympics whatsoever. But what I will say is it is very strange to live in a time that has such a hard-on for injustice – and you see so much progress being made in so many different areas. And then you see the disabled community, which is so huge, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not... Like, to call us marginal... Like, we're, like, one in four of the population. Right. To see us simultaneously get ignored in these conversations about diversity and, like... It's just mind-blowing to me. I just, like... It's so upsetting. It's so wild because it's, like... We live in a culture that says only a certain type of people can be disabled. Like if you're if you're a wheelchair user, then you're disabled. But if you're not, maybe we don't count. And I think that it's really interesting because the scraps that wheelchair users get for representation is also bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, not only are we being erased as like two people who don't use mobility aids full time, but 
the representation that the people with mobility aids get is also trash. And I often, I feel like I always tell people, like, I'm all these things at once. I'm black all the time. I'm disabled all the time. I'm queer all the time. I'm not separating them out because that makes other people more comfortable. And I think especially being a disabled creator, people are like, okay, so when you talk about disability, are you going to talk about, like, the hardships and the pain and how, like, bad it is and how, like, uncomfortable you can be in public spaces? And I'm like, I'll bring it up, but it's not going to be the sole thing that I discuss. But I do think that it's really interesting how we've hit these, like, strides in representation but not at all in disability like it's it's really interesting that we're in 2022 and I can still count on one hand how many shows yours included actually feel like a genuine depiction of disability and not like oh my god my caretaker is the best because he took care of me or like oh my god my life sucks I want to die. Isn't that romantic? Like, I just think that we we should be way further along than we are right now. Oh, for sure. And people ask, they're like, do you think special help change things and all that stuff? And, I, and my gut answer is always sort of no or not enough because special got canceled. And then what's the heir apparent to special? Like, right. why has there not been another show? Like that to me is sort of unforgivable. It's like, like, and by the way, like I was given two seasons, one of which was truncated and there's nothing else. Like it just doesn't feel, it, it's not nearly, nearly enough. But going back to what you said, like you are, I feel like you and I are similar because you are a commercial bitch. Like you love a rom-com. I do. You like, you love, yeah, you love that stuff. And I so appreciate that because I always love like Nora Ephron. Like she's such an icon oh, yes. to me. Oof. And I'm sure, yeah. And I'm sure that you've experienced this. What's what you said, which is that our worth is really tied into our trauma and how, and like we are milked for our trauma. We are milked for our hardships. Um, and then, like, truly, like, left for dead. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, our value is so attached to the amount of suffering we experience. And what I get so frustrated by is, like, I I want to make things that go beyond that. And also, to, to not acknowledge the trauma feels disingenuous, obviously, because it is part of our everyday life. Yes. But I'm sure you experience this. Sometimes CP feels like a starring role in my life yeah. on some days. And then some days it's like literally like not even a walk-on role. Right. And it's like it really depends on the moment. And like I want to be allowed to explore and be very funny and like and like yeah be commercial give like be like a top 40 pop song but like wrapped in unconventional packaging and I don't Mm want to feel this pressure to yeah become a hologram of my suffering because that's the only way I have value it's very very frustrating to me right yes and I think too like I once I started this journey of like trying to break into film and tv you know because long before Mm -hmm. I was like oh it's not possible for somebody like me like there's just no way and then I was like wait a minute no why am I saying no to myself like other people are gonna do that I'm gonna always say yes to me um and so like when I started breaking in and I found my manager and, you know, something started happening, I'm like, okay, here's here's what I'm going to do. And like, this is full stop. I'm going to tell stories that make me feel good and that make me feel like these are real people. Because I was like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, ugh, life is so hard. Like, it's the worst. I hate it here. Let's talk about that. You know, let's get that green lit. Cause that's just so boring. And I don't want to spend every second of my life being like, CP is the, you know, is like the only thing about me. Like, I'm also a person who exists and loves cheesecake. And like, like you said, rom-coms, all of these things that like make me me and CP can just be a part of that. But it doesn't have to be the only thing. And I like that, you know, I'm slowly starting to see people with disabilities in general pop up in, like, film and TV. Like, Danielle and, and um, there's just so many people who, who's, who's on Russian Doll right now. So shout out to Danielle. Um, yeah, I know. She's love a her. I love She's her a so dream. Much. And it's just yeah. nice to see people get to be fully realized and I think that's what I'm that's what I'm after because it's just not fair to us as creators to be 
held in those boxes and be like, oh no, you have to complete like the suffering portion of whatever this thing is that you're creating. And all you are is your suffrage. Like, no, I want to write about a girl who is messy and she like loves her friends, but she's not always good to them. And she, you know, maybe drinks too much once or one or two times and like has an outburst. Like I want to create a character that feels like a person I would know and a person that that is allowed to make mistakes. Like you said, like people had such weird reactions to the second season of special and I was just like floored. I was like, I love it so much because it felt like Ryan was a real person mm-hmm. in a way that I think that we're not often allowed to be. People put us in these like really rigid categories like, oh, she's black and disabled. Oh, he's white and disabled. Oh, they're queer, whatever, whatever, whatever. And it's never like, oh, also they're this person who likes wine or doesn't like wine or they're this person who likes tv and movies or or hates them or like you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like i think that it's important to me to always watch and support and create things that feel full yes absolutely and i think like when we move beyond just the, the, the suffering part our experiences are so normalized because i feel like when we're it's just about our suffering we remain othered we remain separate and mm-hmm. like like one of my favorite shows is the show called The Other Two, which is on Comedy Central. And it's so minor, but in season two, there is a woman in a wheelchair that works in an office and she literally has like three lines and she's really funny. And it's like, and her disability is literally never mentioned. She's just in a wheelchair and it's just like the mm-hmm. most drive-by role ever. And I was like, oh my God, this is, this is radical. Like, and it was in like, like you're just showing a disabled person yeah. with a job, be lol. And then like, you don't ever talk about her disability. It's like not important. It's just a, you're, she's sewn into the fabric of the world. And I feel like just seeing that normalize it so much. I just had this like hellish experience recently that is a little like spill the tea vibes, but I don't really give a shit, which is that my, my friend was pretty high up on this movie um, this comedy and she really wanted me to be in it mm-hmm. and um, so I auditioned for the studio and uh, I don't audition ever because um, I just like being in control and like writing my own stuff but totally fair. but she is a great friend of mine and she uh, I just she just like let me do my own thing whatever TLDR basically the studio couldn't get over the fact that I was disabled and it was not about like it was couched in this like kind of PC wokeness, which mm-hmm. is like, we don't want to offend the disabled community because like there were certain things in the script that they were scared would seem offensive to disabled people. Mm-hmm. And it, by the way, they weren't. And it was sort of just like, wait, so you're telling me I can't get this job because I'm disabled, but you're doing this out of some sense of like doing good for disabled people. Like this is truly insane. And like, it's like actually like you're denying me a job because my disability while claiming that it's because you care about disabled people. It's like truly psychotic. And it just made me realize, Oh, like back to what we were talking about earlier. It's like, there's a reason why I don't go chasing waterfalls and I stick to the rivers and the lakes that I'm used to, because I don't count on anyone outside of the lane that I've created for myself to know what to do with me. And there's still such prejudice and like people just, they just don't know. They don't know where to put me. And you're like, and oh, so sorry. In this movie, sorry. I, like I would have been like drive by laws. I like, it was really just like, it was, it was a, it was a comedy. It was like, I was going to just be bitchy mm-hmm. and crazy and whatever. And it was not going to be about a disability at all. And I was like, this is, this is progress. I feel like I'm going in the opposite direction where like, I, I have played the nuanced, complicated characters, and now I'm like, I just want to be a bitch in, like, a studio comedy for, like, you know what I mean? Like, that's it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, let me right. play the Andrew Rannells part. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, let's do that. You know what I mean? And, like... Yeah, like, let me show up, make you laugh, and then dance. Yes! I don't need to... I don't... And, that, and not do a monologue about my disability, and I just have a limp, and that right. is what it is. Like, let's move on. Do you know what I mean? Right, and I think, like... I mean, this came with it, with its own set of issues because, like, the actual actor was not disabled. But I think Superstore did a really good job of that as well. Yeah. It was just like, okay, Garrett's in this wheelchair. Like, he's having sex with one of the co-workers. It's a thing. You know, he, like, doesn't... He, like, hates his job, but he's good at it. Like, it was never like, oh, my God, let's discover 
why Garrett's in this wheelchair and what he feels like yes. about being in a wheelchair. And he was so funny. And he would just pop in, make you laugh, say what he had to say, and leave. And I feel like that 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 is the dream. I want to be able to pop in somewhere, make somebody laugh, make them cry, whatever, and then leave. I don't want to have to, like you said, do a whole monologue about disability and what it relates to in the world and what it means for other people and what it means for me. Like, no, just let people be exactly who they are. And I love that you said, like, you don't, you didn't even, this was a role where you wouldn't even have to, like, discuss disability because that to me is the dream like let me audition for something where I don't have to then be like and then also we can say this about disability or like and also we can do this to make sure that like everybody's comfortable because nobody's gonna like everything that you do no matter what it is you're not gonna be like oh yes this is gonna hit a spot for an entire community of people and it's really wild to me that marginalized people in particular are always asked to answer like you like one person is always asked to answer for the entire community like what do you think black people mean when they say this what do you think disabled people mean when they say this like i don't know i just know that i said it because i wanted to and it mattered to me not like i shouldn't have to be the spokesperson for the communities that i'm in i should just be allowed to be kia brown not Kia Brown of disability community. Well, and you do that. It's like just watching your content. It's like, yeah, you talk about your disability when it's relevant or when you want to, but then you also talk about about a litany of other things because your disability is just one aspect of you. And I feel like, and this is no fault to disabled people on the internet or whatever. I think it's actually more of a byproduct of the kind of world that we're in right now. But I see some people like flatten themselves out just to their disability and I think they do it because this is again this is not their fault I think there's this feeling of like what's my brand like who like like how can I whittle myself down to one thing and I can be that thing and I can be that expert and people will go to my page for that kind of content and this is just like I mean this is so spooky spaghetti because we're talking about like yourself as a person and sometimes I get I get protective and I get like you know, nervous for people that are so focused on their trauma and their marginalization and that's it because A, I feel like they're they're not allowing themselves the full spectrum of their community, but also B, I'm just talking from personal experience. Like there have been times where I've been fixated on my marginalization and my disability and how it affects me and it's really actually been unhealthy for me to really like live in that space full time. Um, And I just get, I get nervous and I get protective because I feel like we live in a world now where you do have to be one thing Mm -hmm. and you do have to be able to like dilute so much of what makes you special and nuanced into just this one thing. And it, and it makes me, it makes me sad. I mean, it's like, you know what I mean? And I just don't know if it's healthy. It's not. And I mean, like early in my career, like very early in my career, all of my like early writing was basically a diary entry. It was like, hey, I'm Kia. Disability is hard. Like, it's really exhausting. People keep staring at me. I hate it here. And then I remember talking to Slight Bragg, Roxanne Gay, and being like, man, this is just like too, like, I just, I don't know if I can keep, I can sustain this. And she was like, I like your work. I just think you need to look outward more. And that is the best thing that anybody could have ever said to me, because I agree with you. I see these people online who are so smart and so funny and so like interesting that whittle themselves down and are just like, I'm here to talk about disability. Like I'm your source for 101 disability all the time 24 hours a day seven days a week and I'm like don't you have you have other interests like talk about those but I think people are so scared to lose the amount of engagement that they have that they're like no I better stick to just talking about disability just only talking about like why it's mean to touch somebody's wheelchair without their permission or like why it's mean to or like why it's unfair that we don't have you know, uh, more representation and what that looks like. And it's like, that stuff is important and it's important conversations. But it's like, once we, if we ever want to get beyond that, we have to start talking about things beyond that because 
people are just going to always expect us to be like, yeah, you know, it sucks over here in, in disability land. Like, it's so hard. It's so bad. It's like so unfair. They're always going to be expecting that. So to me, I feel like it's much more radical and exciting to be like, actually, I don't want to talk to you today about the misadventures of disability. I want to talk to you today about how much I love Paramore and Drew Barrymore and Mandy Moore. <laughs> wow, how, that rhymed. How, like, <laughs> romp, right, a lot of Moors. Yeah. A lot of Moors. Um, and I just think that, like, to me, it's much more exciting and fun to be like, no, I want to talk to you today about Wordle. Yeah. Or a rom-com I just saw. Or, like, this weird book I just read or something like that. Like, I just feel like to me, I could never sustain just talking about disability no. constantly because I would be so bored and so tired and also so like, like so disparaged all the time. Like it would make me not even want to do anything or try anything because I'd be like, oh, what's the use? Like, I just want to live in a world where like, I'm delusional. <laughs> and I think that like, Anything is possible. Well, by the way, because that's... no. By the way, you have to. I actually, I just wrote about this in T Magazine. T Magazine asked me to give advice to artists, mm-hmm. and um, the number one thing I said was, well, number one, no, two things. I said number one, I think ambition shouldn't be such a dirty word, and I think it should be like I'm. I'm a very ambitious person. I'm very open about that. I want things. I have to go after me them. Too. Blah blah. But also, um, I was like. Oh my God, sorry, my brain just blanked out. What was the thing you said? Oh, delusion. So I, I said, a, a sprinkle of delusion goes a long way. When you are a person where there is no point of reference for you and for your existence, you have to have the confidence of a mediocre straight white male to go after the things. And so like, you know, a lot of delusion is like, okay, never mind. You're like a real housewife and you're like unwell. <laughs> but a little bit goes a long way. Do you know what I mean? And I, I'm actually a big fan of it. Like, cause like the things I accomplished, like, like, you know, I'd never acted before, before I did special. I'd never show ran a television show. Like these were things I never, like, you know, no one had ever done that was gay and disabled as far as I know. Mm-hmm. And of course I had to be a little delusional to go after those things. Are you kidding me? Right. You just have to. You really do. Like I, I was just talking to my manager the other day and I was like, do you know how delusional I had to be to be like, I'm going to write these books. I'm going to take these acting classes. I took like maybe three acting classes, like my first three acting classes. And I was already like, baby, wait till I plan out my Oscar speech. Like it's going to be, it's going to be a vibe. Well, you're like, so good, by the way. You're so good. You. I love your monologues and I love that you share them. You're just like, yeah, bitch, here I am. Here it is. I just Watch love it. it. <laughs> because I just feel like otherwise, I don't know. I think, I think the thing that I learned very early on in life is like, you can be very unsure of things and still do them. So like for me, it's like, I don't have shame when it comes to that. Because one of my other, like one of the students in one of my acting classes was like, oh my God, I would never share my monologues online. And I'm like, but if I've never acted in anything, how are people going to know what I can do? I said, I'm putting them on the internet because people are going to show up. They're like, oh, Kia writes. And then, oh, look, surprise, she posted a monologue. Like, I just think otherwise, having the platform that I'm lucky enough to have, I'm going to pop on the things that I want to happen for me so that when they do, I can be like, look, I did that thing that allowed me to propel forward. Like, to me, I just don't have any shame when it comes to being like, yeah, I'm going to post this monologue in this red lipstick and these hoop earrings, and then I'm going to go back to talking about cheesecake, and we're just going to do all of it at once. All of it. All the time. (laughs) I love that. And you're, you know what, you're absolutely right. Because, you know, I didn't know that you'd wanted to act. And, you know, I'm currently not in a position where I'm giving people jobs, unfortunately. But like, that, like, when I looked at your monologues, I was like, okay, she can fucking act. Like, good to know. And for information, baby, information. And I would not have, I would not have known that at all if you hadn't posted that. Like... And that's good. That's good that I know that. And I'll keep that in mind for future things. You know what I mean? But that's, but that's how, but that's how it gets done. Right. It really does. Because again, it's, it's lack of imagination. Exactly. And like I said, a closed mouth does not get fed. And I think to me, there's so much power in like saying out loud the thing that you want the most, because that way the universe knows what you're after and what they should be leading you toward. Because I don't know. I just feel like I've always operated under the idea of like, if I don't believe in me, who will? Like, even when I have my bad days and I'm sitting in therapy and I'm like, 
to my therapist, like, girl, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know if this is going to work out. And she'll be like, okay, so are you not going to do it? I'm like, oh, absolutely not. I'm going to do it. I'm just going to also panic to you about it after it's done. Yes. But it's going to get done first because I just think that otherwise, I don't know. I just feel like life would be so boring if I sat down and I was just like, no, I'll wait my turn. Or like, no, I'll just see what happens. Like, no, you have to be active about it, especially as a person that you don't normally see. You know, you're not going to see me yet walking down like a red carpet in a custom Christian Siriano gown living my best life. Like, I have to go for that to do it first. And then, you know, it'll happen. But I can't just be like, what that must be like. You know, this isn't Cinderella. There's not going to be, like, some prince being like, oh, yeah, like, I can give you everything you want without me having to ask for it first. Like, no. There's no time for, like, wishing and waiting. I just have to, like, hope and do. Hope and do the thing. We're going to hear a quick word from our sponsor, Bookfinity, but when we come back, we're going to take a chic metaphorical trip to a desert island. I can't wait to hear what you've packed for me, Kia. Hi, I'm Carrie Mayer, author of the national best-selling book, The Paris Bookseller. So I'm not just a writer, I'm an avid reader. And since Always Authors is sponsored by Bookfinity, I wanted to tell you a little bit more about it. Bookfinity is a website that is built by readers for readers, so you can get personalized book recommendations, create and share your book lists, review books, and refer friends to earn rewards. You start by taking a quick quiz to discover your reader type, and once you complete the quiz, you'll be taken to your My Bookfinity account. I took the quiz and got my reader type. I am a heroin addict, which is so accurate because I do love strong female leads. Now when I log into my Bookfinity account, I will get personalized book recommendations based on my reader type. Bookfinity also has a like it or lose it function, so I can quickly like the books that I'm interested in or lose the ones that I'm not. And it has a unique review system that goes beyond a star rating. I love that I can review a book based on how it made me feel and recommend it to others. To get started, visit bookfinity.com and take the reader type quiz and create your personalized account today. Every episode of Always Authors spotlights an independent bookstore. Today, we're giving a shout out to Broadway Books in Northeast Portland. Broadway Books takes great pride in helping customers find wonderful reads and in bringing authors and readers together in an interactive environment. It's a great little store with great big service. I have packed for you the, since I know that you like the Real Housewives, or you don't, I don't know. I do. I feel I like it. it's, it's you love it? Okay, I figured. Um, just from watching your little questions on Instagram. <laughs> I packed for you the book called The Real Housewives Get Personal, which is... Available on Amazon. I don't remember the author's name of it, but apparently it's the top best book for any Real Housewives fan. So I packed that book for you. I love that. I have not read it, but I'm double clicking, triple clicking. Like it's going to be here like literally in one minute. Um, for you, I feel like you probably have already read this, but I know you're a rom-com girl mm -hmm. and, uh, I would pick Heartburn by Nora Ephron, but I mean, maybe you've already read it. You know what? I will always reread it. It's, it's so good. It's so good. We love Nora Ephron. Listen, I think she's like, <sighs> what a gift. I know, I know. And also, I'm sure you've read Red, White, and Royal Blue, which is yes. really good. Oh my god, I, I basically stalked Casey until she knew how much that book matched. I was like, I love it so much. And she was like, thanks. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not a chill person. I just had to, like, shout it at you. I love that, and I'm sure you're going to... They're doing a movie of it. They're doing, like, a... Yeah. yeah. I love that. I'm excited to see it. I think it'll be great. Shake! <laughs> Do you ever wonder, so like, I feel like so much of my ambition and drive comes from proving people wrong, right? Like I, yes. I saw this documentary um, about Michael Jordan, this like sports documentary, LOL, like so not my thing, but was truly obsessed with it. It's called like The Last mm -hmm. Game or something. And yes, I loved it. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. So Michael Jordan literally is like saying, 
every day I would go on that court and my whole drive would be like revenge. It would be like proving people wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and even, even if there was no one there that I had to like avenge, I would literally make things up just so I would get the fight in me to win the game. And I was like, okay, am I Michael Jordan? Like literally like, <laughs> I was like my, like my whole MO is like, you know, never underestimate the power of I'll show you. Oh yeah. And do you ever wonder, do you ever wonder like what your life would be like if there wasn't that constant adversity, like, do you like, cause it's like, it's a blessing and a curse. Like part of me loves it. And then obviously they would be nice not to have a fucking mountain to climb every goddamn day. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, first of all, Ryan, you and I are just, because baby, there is nothing like the adrenaline rush I get when I feel like I've proved somebody wrong. <laughs> that I, when I did something that somebody thought I couldn't do, oh, the rush I get. I mean, I swear it. I just feel like it's okay to do things out of spite. Like, people are always like, oh, no, you should just do things because you, like, want to and because you're excited and because you love the thing. But also, I want to do it out of spite. Like, oh, you don't think that I can write a book? I wrote wrote three. You know, you don't think that I can... Wait, did I miss something? I just remember being a child. Wait, what's the third one? The third one is coming... Okay, so the third one is a young adult book that comes out next year called The Secret Summer Promise. Oh, yes. Okay. So that'll be out, like, next spring. Yes. I, okay, yes. I read about yes. that. Yes. So it'll be, like, like I, I'm a child of the 90s, and the doctor said to my mom when me and my sister were born, like, oh, they'll never, like, walk or talk or see or go to, like, a regular school or whatever. And I feel like that was the first moment when I was like, okay, you'll see. Like, sure, I didn't know until later. But, like, there was something that's always been inherent in me, like, I can't wait to prove you wrong. Because proving you wrong <laughs> means that I'm proving myself right. And, like, yeah, sure, like you said, it would be nice to live in a world where it didn't feel like we had to climb 1,000 steps just to move an inch. But I just feel like there is something so satisfying about being like, fuck you, I told you so. Like, I, <laughs> I did it me because you thought I couldn't like I just I think that like sure that's not entirely healthy and I'm sure like if my therapist listens to this she'll be like Kia what did we say about what did we say about doing things out of spite but boy there's just something magical about it and and being able to be like nope I did it like I bet that sucks for you huh that you watch me do it and and now and not like every time I think about like a bad math teacher who told me that I would like not amount to anything in high school. I'd be like, look at me now. Absolutely. <laughs> look Absolutely. at me. I'm Yeah, I'm of course, it. and you're making history. <laughs> I mean, it's like, how how do you um how do you unwind without guilt? I feel like that's a pro like you've you've talked about that online and I and I feel like that's very relatable to me. And um just this month, like we just wrapped Queer's Folk. Mm-hmm. And uh I was that that was so it was amazing, but it was really it was a lot of work. And um, the show doesn't come out till June. The book doesn't come out till June. And I'm really actually truly giving myself this time to unwind. By the way, unwind for you and me is still probably like a lot of things going on. But mm-hmm. for me, it's like very low key. Yeah. But like, I'm really, 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 really trying to uh, embrace pleasure into my life and, and yeah. to really just kind of enjoy the fruits of my labor and that used to be so hard and I have to say I'm getting better at it but but is that something that you struggle with as well oh yeah I was gonna say if you have any pointers please slide them my way (laughs) because I don't I don't know how to relax and unwind like I I went to the Catskills last week with my friend for her birthday that's tomorrow and I was having like it was it was so relaxing but I felt like I should be doing something you know I should be like working on this project or like thinking of this idea and, and, and really having to like fight that part of my brain to be like, no, you're here to relax. Like you're here to hang out with your friends. Just do that. Turn off that part of your brain. That's like productivity means your worth. Yes. And so like I do, I, I really, I feel so guilty when it comes to just trying to relax. Like I think the only time that I'm not thinking about having to do something is when I'm at like a concert or something. Like if I, like I went to last month, I went to a Billie Eilish concert in Chicago mm-hmm. and it was like so good to me. I'm like, I, we love that child. And, um, 
that was like the only time that I wasn't like, okay, I need to be doing something else. Oftentimes when I'm like relaxing, even with people that I love, I'm like, okay, I have to like think about like this thing in, in a couple days that I have to do. And like, remember that if I, if I stop moving, everything stops. Whereas like, I have to get to a point where I just let myself exist without needing to be productive. So if you have any pointers, anything you've learned. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think, I think burnout is real. And I think that, uh, I think that also I realized that even when I'm not doing anything in quotes, that's the region that's I'm regenerating. I really like, I feel like like the new ideas are percolating. Like they just, I'm just not mm. actively like putting them down. I think being an active, active participant in your own life as a creative person is invaluable because that's how you get experiences. That's how you get material to write about whatever, whatever, mm. but also like, you really owe it to yourself and it is a dangerous slippery slope when your productivity is tied into your self-worth going back to you know the fuel is proving people wrong should, you know did all that stuff that's great but at a certain point it does do a disservice because i feel like my value of myself does go down if i'm not constantly triumphing over something or accomplishing mm. something and that's it's really hard when the thing that has brought you so many gifts can also be such a curse and like limit you in some ways and it's funny like I, I just did an interview for the book like last week where someone was like do you consider yourself successful and I was like in some ways I do but you know I think every writer's career feels precarious and I think that when you're disabled and marginalized or whatever I think it feels doubly so I mean like for example, like when we went out with just by looking at him, we got a few passes that said this feels too similar to special. And to that I say, have you read Sally Rooney? <laughs> I was like, Sally Rooney writes the same thing over and over. By the way, no, no lie. She does a great, by the way, she does a great job. She does a great but, job. Love and light. But yeah. But like we're talking about Sofia Coppola. Sofia Coppola talks about wealthy Malays. Nora Ephron like does the same kind of version. I mean, we're talking about artists in general seems like typically do variations on a theme. Like not everyone is Steven Sodenberg. Like, like not every, like most artists don't reinvent themselves over and over again. Right. So it really is. They dip from the same well and they, that's sort of their palette. And that is what we love them for. Right. And this is when I got really mad because I was like, if I wasn't disabled and gay, would you say this book is too similar to special? Why? Because it fucking features a disabled and gay character. Like that's okay. It's really, it, like it takes nothing. It's just like the the bare minimum of things, and they'll be like, "That's too similar. That's too close." Without them even like. Well, it's a, or it's like or like or like you did that thing, and now no more like no more for you. Yeah. Like we like you got your thing. Like good, good for you. It, it, we're t I'm talking again about like the narrow slots that we're given to exist mm -hmm. and and feel grateful for. And it's like if Sally Rooney can write the same fucking book literally over <laughs> and over again about Scottish teenagers who like can't communicate, like. <laughs> then I'm going to fucking, do you know what I mean? Then I'm going to write whatever the fuck I want. And by the way, there's like barely any content about like queerness and disability. Meanwhile, there's plenty of books about straight couples who like are in this tumultuous time of like falling in and out of love. Like that is, that is a well-tread area. Like, like, hello, God forbid there's more than one. Have they been around during the early aughts? First of all, I've watched every episode of The Hills, Laguna Beach. Like, that's all that is. Ugh. It's just <laughs> with different names. Like, that, I just think it's so yeah. funny that they're like, no, it's too close to special. When we literally operate right now in 2022 under the assumption that, like, action, like all action movies are the same. And nobody says anything. Like, yeah. a car is always going to blow up, which I love. I love action movies. Yeah. But, like, a car is always going to blow up. A guy with muscles is always going to tear his shirt. You know, some hot girl is barely going to have any lines. Yeah. And she'll just stand there looking hot. Like, that's, that's, that happens all the time. So why can't we, or, or you, I don't want to speak for, for you, but why can't it be that you write a book that's, like, special? So what? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so, so what if it's, like, special? <laughs> Who cares, okay? Yeah. That's your niche. That's your vibe. Like, yeah. let it just be that and let that be enough. Like, I think that's so funny that they're like, nope, we're going to pass on this. Because I think that the, the thing that I heard with the pretty one was, like, 
if we heard passes, they'd be like, this is good, but it, but it wasn't like for me. And like, they'll be, they would be like, oh, well, you know, we, we liked some of the things that Kia said in the pretty one about disability, but it just wasn't the right fit for us. And then the pretty one actually led to the children's book, Sam Supersedes, that comes out in August because the editor read the pretty one and was like, can you talk about comfort to kids? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Nice. <laughs> I would love to. So I just think it's funny that like people will be like, oh no, it's too close to something you previously written. Or like, oh no, you've already talked about disability before or queerness before. So now you can't again. And I just think that like nobody, t- nobody turns to like a straight white man and says, you know what? We don't need another story of you coming to age and having sex with a younger girl so that you can find yourself. Like, nobody ever says, you know what, we don't need that story. No. They love that one. Nope. <laughs> or, or like, shows about cops. Or, like, whatever. Like, literally, like, any, again, any, like, there's so many examples of the same kind of story being told over and over again in a different way. And again, like, the, that is not a knock to artists. That's just ha- what being an artist is, is you're right. inspired by a certain kind of milieu and you explore it a million different ways. And I feel like when you are not given permission to do that, it does feel like tokenism. It does feel like, okay, you're you're giving me permission to do this because it's like this new perspective, but it can only, but it can only be shown one time. Or like... I, I get really upset. I've heard stories of people going out and pitching something, whether it be a TV show or a book, and then saying, oh, well, we already have something from Ryan O'Connell yeah. or whatever. And I've it, had it that experience. so upset. <laughs> you, you, you have? Yeah. Yeah. I've had that experience where I was like, I was shopping something and they were like, well, you need to make sure that it's not too much like special. And I'm like, well, it wouldn't be because... Ryan and I are You're not the same person. People. We're different yeah. people. And We're different like, fucking people. They're like, you have to make sure that it's not like that because um, otherwise people are going to get... I'm like, they're not going to get confused. Like, it's just... It's so funny because, like, the, that happened with you. And then I've had people be like, oh, I've used the pretty one as a comp. And somebody being like, oh, no, well, you have to make sure that it's not too close to them. I'm like, don't people realize that just because you share something in common with somebody doesn't mean your experience is the exact same? Like, you it's are, so wild. Like, it's, it, you are a black, queer, disabled woman. I'm a white, you know, gay, disabled <laughs> woman. Like, the idea that we are the same lived experience is truly L-O actual hell. And <laughs> it's, it makes me so upset because it's like, here's the deal. Like, we have this idea, this scarcity model, you know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you see someone succeed and you can't help but internalize that and be like, well, there goes my seat. There goes my opportunity because the business pits us against each other. And because we are taught because of that feedback, because of the whole yeah. thing of like, oh, well, we have something from Ryan. It's like, and that stuff makes me so upset because I know intellectually that it has nothing to do with me. And it's a byproduct of our, you know, our scarce, like these fucked up, you know, execs who think that there only needs to be one slot. Mm -hmm. But I also wouldn't blame that person getting rejected to internalize that and slightly resent me or whatever. Like I understand what that feels like. And that breaks my heart because I only want to lift people up and I, and I want my success to like breed success for other people, just like I'm sure you do. It's like, we are models for, for this, you know, working. And we want that to mean that there's more disabled creators. Right. Like nobody wants to be the only person in the room. Like, it's not like we're like, yeah, let's shut the door and lock it. Like, no, I want to, I want to be in a room full of people that are like, like me and not like me. I want to feel like I'm not the, only person who is like marginalized or the only person who is black or disabled or queer like i want i want to have a room full of us because i think that that absolutely i think broadening the way that you see the world can only make you a better creator it can only make you a better person and i just think that it's so funny that it really is execs being like oh no ryan ryan already had special like what what can you bring to the table and i'm like we have completely different experiences or like people being like oh no somebody already wrote you know a story about being black and disabled like what are you sure you can i'm like yeah because 
I'm a different person. It's so wild. It's so offensive, but it's like this, but I will say this, like this week I have done two, I've had two conversations, one with you, one with this writer, Greg Marshall, who has his memoir coming out next year, who's mm-hmm. this fantastic writer, gay guy with CP. And I'm so glad, first of all, talking with other disabled people, it's like a balm because I feel like so much of my conversations is like explaining my existence and doing the emotional labor yeah. and blah, 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 blah. And I feel like as disabled people, like if I'm already talking to another disabled person, there's such commonalities that like we're already going to be starting from a deeper place and a more interesting place. Mm-hmm. And like the fact right. that you exist, the fact that Greg exists and that like we can have these conversations and we're published authors and we're like releasing books. Like that is really, really chic. And like, it makes me feel so good and it makes me feel hopeful and I never feel hopeful. <laughs> and, but it just also makes me be like, there needs to be so much more of us. Like yeah. there really, there really does because like a rising tide lifts all ships. And I want, I want there to, I, you know, how many panels Kia have you done where you're the only disabled person? It fucking oh, sucks. So it's many. lame. It sucks it's so like, bad. I, I can't do them anymore. It's fucked up. Unless like, you know what I mean? I'm just like, yeah, no, so many panels of being like either, either the only disabled person or the only black person or sometimes both. And I'm like, okay, do y'all not do y'all not know any other black people or any other like disabled people of color or like do you not know any disabled people at all? Am I just it? Yeah. Is, is it is it just me? Like is there a poster of me on your wall and it's like you can do it. Like <laughs> like what is it? Yeah. Because I think I think just like you said, there is something so so nice and calming about being able to talk to somebody where I don't have to be like, so this is what disability means and this is what CP means and like, this is what it means like to have it. Like I can just be like, hey Ryan, I really want to come to LA and like go get a salad with you. And then like that, that could be it. You know what I mean? Like I, I just, yeah. I appreciate these conversations as well because it's like, I don't have to explain to you why I matter or like why stories like mine matter or or why I think that it's important for us to be able to tell these stories. Because you already know, you know, and there's this sort of like relief in having that bit of community, even though like right now it's just virtual, but it's like the relief in being able to look at you and say, you know what, Ryan's doing it and I can do it and I'm going to do it. And to feel like whether or not you feel that way, there there are paths that you've paved for people like me, you know, where I can, I can be like, listen, this guy named Ryan O'Connell did these two seasons of the show called special. And like, it made me feel like, you know what, let me continue to take a chance on myself and let me continue to, to do the things I want to do. Let me sign up for these acting classes because now it feels possible in a way that it didn't before you had special, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I think, I think sometimes it's really hard to accept that even where we're even when we're not where we want to be where we are right now has pushed somebody um further along in their journey because they saw us and said yes all right it's possible for me too and I want to make sure that I say that to you before we leave because I'm like I want you to know and I always tell people like I want to give you your flowers while you can still smell them and I do think that while you (laughs) while you're like you know, I feel like you were you were gypped with only getting two seasons of special. And I think that you really have helped push the needle for disabled people in a way that I think is hard to realize given that we haven't really moved that far yet. <laughs> but yeah. I do I do think that it's important that you know that the work that you're doing and the work that you have done has pushed us in a better direction. I, I appreciate that. I mean, you know, it's, it's hard. It's, it, you know, and I think, I think also there's a, like, when you're, when you're one of the few public people and I'm sure you've experienced this as well, like, you know, there's always a lot of like weird, like, am I doing enough? Like, cause it's like, people call me like mm-hmm. an activist or whatever. And I'm like, I'm really not. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, I'm not that like, <laughs> like I, I, I'm, I'm not, I really like, and I, I feel guilty about that. Like maybe I should sign more petitions or maybe I should be more politically engaged or whatever, whatever. But really what I do, I guess my, my form of being an activist, I guess, is just giving myself permission to take up space in it. I, it's all in my work. That, that's truly like where mm-hmm. I put all of it is in my work. But, like, I do feel 
like there's always this thing and this expectation of like, yeah, am I doing enough? Am I helping people enough? Can I help? Can I help people? Am I in a position? Do I even have as much power? Like, I don't know. Like, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot when, you know, and I'm sure you get a lot of people asking for help. I'm sure like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's very overwhelming and it's hard to ever feel like you're doing enough. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I think that the, the funny thing about activist, the term is that I've grown for a while I was really resentful of it because I was like, no, I'm just like existing in the world and like <laughs> having to explain to people like, oh, guess what? I don't hate myself. <laughs> Actually, I think that like I look great in a red lipstick. Like that's, you know, if, if that's activism, fine. But I think right. the thing that frustrates me most is that activist always comes first. And I'm like, wait, 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 no, 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 no. I'm an author and a journalist first. Then you can throw an activist and then I'll just be like, oh, I'm also like studying to act or whatever. But I think that like for any marginalized person, but I think specifically for disabled people, because there are so few of us, it's like whether we have done any sort of activism at all is not even the point. They'll be like, listen, this 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 person that you see at your grocery store bagging the groceries is also an activist right. because because they have to tell you like oh guess what I'm a human being like I I I'm actually a fully realized human being who lives in the world so like activism instead of it just being like let me point you in the direction of people who are actually doing this work and not just people like me who are like again trying to also put it in their work and also just being like hey. Don't be an asshole to disabled people. Thanks. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, yeah, I totally, exactly. Like when I real, when I see like real activists, I'm always like, oh my God, yeah, that's not me. But again, it speaks to this idea that like, because there are so few of us, like we do get like lumped together and there is this pressure to be everything when really it's like, all I want to do is just make things. And I want to make things that, you know, that push like the conversation forward and that are groundbreaking and all those things. And like that, my work is everything to me, as I'm sure it is to you. Yes. You know what I mean? And I'm really in the business of just making stuff, period. Right. You know what I mean? And writing and whatever, like all that stuff. And, you know, I mean, I feel like we're going to be doing it for a long time. I have good ho- I have good feelings for both of us. Yes, listen, I hope so. I'm, I'm, I'm willing it to be true. Like I always say, like, I am my wildest dream, right? I am yeah. the epitome of what I never thought I could be like eight-year-old me thinks that I'm a superhero eight-year-old me is like is Kia in is Kia in Marvel movies <laughs> like what you know like like eight-year-old me and ten-year-old me are like wow she's amazing you know because there's just no way that I thought I would ever be where I am today and I try to remember that when I'm like feeling low and I'm like oh God, I can't believe that I'm not staffed on a TV show or like mm-hmm. I can't believe that I didn't book a job that I didn't even audition for. Right. I'm like, I can't, you know, like whenever I whenever I get myself in this like headspace of like, oh, this person's life is perfect. Like their hair looks great. They're staffed on a TV show. They wrote a movie and it sold. I, I, I just remember like who I am now, there's no way that like 15 year old me or 20 year old me even thought this was possible. Like I'm, I just have to always remember that like where I am now, the person who I was before would have never thought that like I could get here. So to be here right now is the dream come true. I just want to make sure that I'm also pushing myself forward, like, and always putting out there that yes, I do want to act and I do want to write things and I want to be a person who, like you said, also creates and lets that speak for me in a way that I don't think that right now we've been able to actually let it speak for us. So yes, yes here's, to, here's to this. And, yes. No, I mean, I think comparison is the thief of joy. And I mm-hmm. think that um, it's very, very important when you have reached a milestone, I'm sure like when your book's out, blah, blah, blah that you really, really savor that moment and you really you really, really take that time to feel so proud of yourself because, you know, I've been there. I, you know, season two came out, didn't get nearly as much attention as I thought it would. And it was, and it was, you know, I would spiral out a little bit and be like, well, why are we not like, what happened? Like, why did we have such a steep drop off? And it's like, you know what? I made an episode of television that is going to impact so many people and I'm so proud of it. And that is a gift. 
And like truly, and if I live in this, like you can live in the spiral, like you can visit, like you can time share it, like you can like have those moments, but honey, you can't live there. Do you know what I mean? You cannot live there because that is a recipe for one long unhappy life. Oh yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh no, you'll be, you'll never be happy with anything if you live in the spiral. Like, I think it, I think that, that it's so important because like, I love, like, when I tell you that I loved season two of Special, so it's so funny to me because I think when when The Pretty One came out, I no, I did not allow myself to be happy or excited. No! I was, yeah, I was so, I was so concerned with, like, what people were saying on Goodreads, which, like, Goodreads is not for authors, it's for readers. I'm not supposed to go look at Goodreads, but I did every day, and I never yeah. let myself be happy about it, so I vowed... For this for this year, for Sam Superseeds to actually let myself enjoy it and let and let it be like okay, yes, another children's book in the space that's talking about disability and joy and friendship and like actually letting a kid be a kid in a way that I don't think disabled kids are often allowed to be. And I just think that like this time around, I'm fully just letting myself enjoy it, like you said. That's smart, and that's the way to be. Honey, it's so good to meet you. Honestly, I can't believe it took this long. I know. And I just, I want to say that, like, just looking at him is so funny. And it's just like, I love a messy character. And Elliot, boy, (laughs) he's so messy. He's so messy, but, like, in a way that I think is so entertaining. And I think that, like, specifically the last chapter, I I just feel like it was so earned. By the time oh, I got to it. thank you so much. I was like, yes. Thank you. Yes, Elliot. Oh, you, des- you, de- oh. you deserve it. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate it. It was it was super fun to write. It came, it kind of came out of me like an exorcism. And um, <laughs> I'm just so happy that you like it. Because, yeah. I mean, also like, getting feedback from the disabled community is really important. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, you know that you have to write from a place of authenticity and truth. And, like, right. you can't make everybody feel seen or heard or whatever but it does feel fucking good when, when a disabled <laughs> person is like yes you know what i mean like it's, yeah. it's really like, like you know what i liked it i'm like yes thank you yes 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 thank yes. you so much um i want a galley of a summer promise yes i'll send it to you you gotta give it okay I will. oh you got one you have you have one? i have i have one version of it okay we're still like in the editing process but i think this is like the set one so i'll, I'll get i'll get it to you well yeah send it to me whenever it's ready i am dying okay. to read it i'm so excited i think it's thank I mean, you i just think you're awesome and just keep being the type a virgo workaholic biatch that i know you are. listen <laughs> i will i will do it if you will do it you know we're in this together okay Absolutely, Virgo I, type A. Virgo power, Virgo disabled right, power, us, truly God help us, us all. Let us unite. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll talk to you later. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Please visit alwaysauthors.com to learn about upcoming episodes, to read a transcript of this episode, to buy the books discussed here, and for more information about our sponsors, bookfinity.com and Buxton Books. Always Authors is an exclusive production of Atomic Focus Entertainment. Cheers.